Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. you to stand. I guess you were ready, but I, I, you didn't see me, so I'm ready now. Are you ready to celebrate this morning, this glorious day as we worship together? Let's sing. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb. Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness To your glorious day You called my name
seat. That's right. Give the Lord a hand. We are celebrating together this morning. It is certainly a glorious day. And we chose that song today because I know that you love it. And also because we're celebrating the fact that we did it. All right. There we go. Yeah. So we are celebrating this morning the 40 days of community. So what I want you to do is turn to someone next to you and say, we did it. Right. All right, now I want you to say, though, but we're not done yet. So go ahead and tell them that, too. Well, this morning, we are going to uh, do what Deuteronomy 11.2 instructs us to do. You're going to see it on the screen here. You can even say it with me if you want. It says, remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. And so all throughout this service this morning, uh, we're going to be, remi- be reminded of the things that we've done over these last 40 days. And so some of those things that we've learned, or all of those things that we learned, were to worship together, fellowship together, grow together, to serve together, and to reach out together. And so we have learned that we are better together. Now here at Peckway Church, we believe that community happens when we connect people to God and one another. And one of the ways we do that is through the Connect card. And that's why each week I ask you to fill out that card, no matter if you've been here a thousand times or if this is your very first time to be with us. So take a moment, look inside of that bulletin, take out that gray connection card and begin to fill that out online. You're going to have a Connect link there in the chat window. Let us know that you're here because we miss you when we don't hear from you or when we don't see you. And, uh, and, so, and this is also a way that we can support you in your spiritual journey. We can pray with you. You can write prayer requests on those cards. Uh, and we can also provide resources that you might request uh, because we really want to help you grow in your faith. And first-time guest, you can take out your mobile phone and you can simply text the word hello to 717-872-5679 and you'll get a prompt. You can follow that quickly and we get connected right away. Uh, Another component of the 40 days of uh, of celebration was uh, being able to serve together and I'm reminded one of the ways that we can serve together is by investing in the kingdom of God and we talked about that that part of our worship is offering. And so we can do that. We can send it on ahead. I think uh, either either Jerry said that or Rick Warren said that in the study. But if you remember, but that's a great way that we can that we can give our tithes and offerings and build up the kingdom. And so I want to give you that opportunity to do that today. You can do it in person. There's envelopes at the back of the room. Uh, online, there's going to be a give link in the chat window. And you can always give on peckwaychurch.com. And we're thankful for your generosity as we are able to partner together and uh, tell people about Jesus Well, uh, as we continue here, you know, there's nothing more exciting than when someone uh, becomes a new believer. And today we had the joy of welcoming uh, a brand new sister into the kingdom. So we're going to listen to her testimony and then we'll continue our worship. Hi, my name is Ariana Lucas. Before I came to know Jesus, I didn't understand things that would make Jesus unhappy, like picking on kids at school. I started coming to Peckway three years ago. And going to church and Kids Connection, I went to camp and I learned why I wanted to live more like Jesus. I felt bad when I did wrong things. Now I get happy to be kind to others. I am very excited to share that I made the decision to follow Jesus. And so if you see her, 
congratulate her, tell her welcome to the family. But it was a great time uh, that we had together uh, just a few moments ago of celebrating that. But we wanted to share her testimony with you and some of the pictures of that uh, because as we are all family together. So it was wonderful to do that. And you know, in Luke 15, 10, it says in the Bible uh, that there's a celebration in heaven when someone comes to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet and sing because there is truly joy in the house of the Lord today as we celebrate. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. I 
joy in the house of the Lord today. Go ahead and take your seats. You know, one more thing that we want to do this morning as part of our celebration is to fellowship together through communion. And so those of you who are viewing online, would you just take a moment and uh, get some juice and crackers or whatever you may have that can represent the elements. Um, now, I know for many of us, when we come to this time of, of communion, it's, it's usually a little more somber and contemplative, right? Um, because we're reflecting on the death of Jesus. But today, I want us to also see it for the celebration that it is, because not only did Jesus die for us, but he also rose again, and he is alive today. Amen? So, we can celebrate this time together, and as we do that, I want you to think about that. Think about the joy that we have, because Jesus is alive, and he's present with us and he is empowering us to carry out his mission of loving God and one another. Now I want to invite everyone to participate here this morning and at home who's established a personal relationship with Jesus. And for those of you today who are considering the Christian faith but you've not yet established that relationship with Jesus, I want you to take this time to just think about what you've seen and what you've heard today and what you really think about Jesus. So go ahead and let's get our cup and our juice and our bread ready as we take the Lord's Supper together. Paul writes, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is, uh, which is for you. Do this in, remember, uh, in remembrance of me. So the body of our Lord Jesus, which was broken for you, take and eat this in remembrance that Jesus died and rose again for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The blood of your Lord Jesus, which was shed for you, Drink this in remembrance that Jesus shed his blood for you, and be thankful. Well, let's pray together as we reflect on the goodness of our God, the many things that he's done over these last six weeks through our groups and through our time together on Sunday mornings. And let's worship him as we pray. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus uh, to die for us and to be our Lord and Savior. Father, I ask that you would help us to be filled today with both gratitude and amazement uh, that you have called us to love others and that you have loved us. Uh, Father, may our hearts celebrate knowing that you are present with us not only in this moment, but every day of our lives, and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can help others know you as we reach out to those around us. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Scott. And as Scott said, we are here today to celebrate what really ought to be a milestone, and that is the conclusion of 40 days in the community. And as Scott said, if you've been a part of that all six weeks, if you have been a part of a group all six weeks, if you've served, and even if it's only part of that, I just want to say to you, congratulations job well done. And here's how we're going to celebrate today. We're going to celebrate by remembering. For Scott said, we really agreed that just needs to be the theme verse for this morning's service. So if you haven't already, take out your message notes and take a look at what God through Moses said to us. He said, remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences 
with him. Now, here's what I want to draw your attention to right up front. I want you to notice that he said what you learned through your experience. So here's the point of that. There are some things that you and I learn best only through experience. So here's my my suggestion to you. I really do believe this, but I believe we could have spent 52 weeks in a sermon series about the importance and priority of biblical community. And even after we did that, I really believe that you understand more now because you went into small groups and you actually experienced firsthand koinonia, that is fellowship, than you would if I'd have spent 52 weeks teaching to you. And remember, that word koinonia, at its very foundation, if you're here for the kickoffs, means this. It means being as committed to one another as we are to Jesus. That's what biblical fellowship is. That's the metric. That's the standard. So here's the question I want to ask you in light of that, the statement from Moses. Did you learn anything new about community during these 40 days? If you did, here's what I would suggest to you. Hold on to it. Remember it. Because Moses said, remember the things you have learned today. And the reason he said that very practically is simply this. We don't need to relearn them. We need to learn them and hold on to them. I know some of you, you know, back in 2004 actually went through this campaign as part of this church. And I would suggest to you, hopefully you hold on and you held on to what you learned over that period. But here's what I want to do. I want to just kind of walk through the five purposes of the church and share with you, hopefully, what you remember we learned. So let's just get into it. The first thing we learned when it came to worshiping together is this. The first thing was that we learned worship can happen anywhere two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus. The, the reality is, take a look at what Jesus himself said. In Matthew 18, he said this, wherever two or three of you come together in my name, I am there with you. In other words, contrary to what we maybe grew up believing or just intuitively have sensed, folks, we can worship God outside of Sunday morning worship service. We don't need, this is a good place to be, this is a great place to be, but we, don't, we can worship God beyond Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in a church building. Jesus said we could worship him wherever two or three of us gather together. In other words, you can worship, and I hope you've done that over the last six weeks, that you can worship God in your small groups. You can worship God in other contexts, as a team, as a, as, as a family, anywhere two or three of us are gathered together. That's the first thing we learn. Here's the second thing. Worship ought to be celebration. Again, Scott and the worship team did a great job of helping us understand that and actually experience that, that God really wants our worship to Him. And let me define worship. Worship is expressing our love to God, our love for God and to God. That's worship. And we really, God wants that to be more of a celebration than, than feeling like a funeral. You know what I'm talking about? You've ever been to worship services that felt more like, you know, kind of the frozen chosen? It just doesn't seem to be life-giving. And here's what I want to say to you about that. When we talk about celebrating in worship, many of us, some of us, let me put it that way, have preconceived ideas of what that looks like. And I'm going to suggest to you, when it comes to how we express ourselves in worship, our styles of worship, our preferences in worship, that honestly has more to do with our personality than our spirituality. In other words, if you grew up in a tradition that was very reserved, then probably when you sense celebration, when you sense God's presence, then probably for you, and, and this would be more of my temperament in some ways, I'm kind of a confusing animal, some of you know that, but for me, when I really sense God, the first thing I do is I don't want to shout, I usually begin to tear up. I get choked up. And that's how some of you, when you truly have this sense of gratitude and celebration, God, you're overwhelmed with it and it impacts you at that level. Now, I grew up in a tradition 
that quite honestly, I'm not exaggerating, that, that shouted, that ran the aisles. I mean, you get blessed and you would take off down the aisles. I grew up in a tradition where people actually jumped the pews. Now, if you grew up in that tradition and then you're sitting beside someone who simply, God has shown up and they're sensing and it just a t- tear is trickling down their face, if you're not careful, you could think they're not worshiping, they're not celebrating. And folks, that'd be a mistake. So I want to say to you again, our preferences for worship style and expressions have more to do with our personality than it does with our spirituality. It has more to do with where we come from. So you said, is there any rule for worship? There is one. And Jesus gave it to us. He said, we are to worship the Father in spirit and truth. In other words, it's supposed to be heartfelt and authentic. And if, if for you, when you sense God's presence and you feel genuine joy, that for you, that, that expresses itself in this quiet maybe a tear or just this this sense of overwhelmingness but it's inside your spirit that's okay and if you want if if the way you express that is you wave your hands and shout knock yourself out i'm okay with that we're okay with that as a church the the one rule folks is that we celebrate in a way that truly is authentic and heartfelt now here's the reason i'm spending all the time with that because when we worship in that way whatever that looks like for you when we worship authentically. We worship with heartfelt worship. You know what happens when we walk into a place like this or we come to worship and we're overwhelmed with problems and all of us are carrying problems, right? We're all dealing with issues. And when we come to worship like that and we begin in that worship to focus on the goodness and the greatness of God, what happens for me and I know happens for you is the problems come into perspective, right? We go, wow, I'm worshiping a great God, a good God, a powerful God. And suddenly we realize, yes, my problems are real. Yes, my problems are big. You know what? My God is bigger. And that sense of realization, what that does is it moves us to celebrate. We celebrate the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And that is worship that is pleasing to God. So that's what we've learned about worship. But let's go on. What do we learn about fellowshipping together? And I want to suggest, you know, I'll give these to you in rapid-fire succession. We learn two things, primary things, about fellowship together. The first is this. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. And the second thing we learn is we need each other. And, and that just simply isn't my opinion. I got that actually from the Apostle Paul. If you've been here when we talked about this, you remember this verse. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul wrote this. Since we all are one body in Christ... We belong to each other. There's the first point, and each of us needs all the other. There's the second point, folks. In other words, what Paul wants us to understand, what we said when we looked at that a couple weeks ago, is we said God does not intend for us to go through life alone. And and when I say that, the, the mistake would be so, oh, that's why God gave husbands and wives. No, that's certainly a wonderful part of it, and I would hate to go through life, and I mean that sincerely. I, I can't even imagine at this point, after 35 years of being married to Lara, I couldn't imagine going through life without Lara. But if we live long enough, that reality for one of us is going to come true, right? We're going to lose one another. And, and if God's solution was to, to loneliness and God's solution to simply, we, it's not good for us to be alone, is that we just got married, then some of us have been out of luck. Or some of us were in luck and then we lost our luck. No, God's solution for you and I to not walk life alone wasn't marriage. It's the church. It's a spiritual family. That's why he puts us in spiritual families. Do you remember when we talked about the giant redwood trees and how I share with you that some of them could grow almost to 400 feet tall? I mean, they are called and, and referred to as the skyscrapers of the forest. I mean, they're incredibly large trees. But I share with you as well the thing that I did not know at the time until I started through this process that they have very shallow roots 
And the question that I asked when I learned that was going, how in the world do these massive 400-foot trees not topple over in the winds and the storms that the Pacific Northwest often experiences? And the reason, the answer to that question is because they grow in groves. And when they grow in groves, their roots interlock and they interconnect. And so every tree holds every other tree up. And I share with you, if you were here, that because of that metaphor, because of that image, a man by the name of Bill Eason back in 1997 is when the book came out, which to me isn't that long ago, but my daughter, it's ancient history. But anyhow, 1997, he wrote a book called Growing Spiritual Redwoods. And he said that's the metaphor of the church. The redwood groves are a metaphor for the church because we ought to be this interconnected group of men and women who hold each other up, who support each other in the storms of life. So we learned on this issue of fellowship that we belong to each other and we need each other, which is why over and over again we said throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, particularly the New Testament, that relationships are what life's all about. And that's why Jesus said he, when he was asked to sum up the law and the prophets, in other words, he's going, give me cliff notes on the Bible, is what the man was asking Jesus. He said, just give it, give it to me simple, give it to me sweet, give it to me short. And Jesus said, okay, here it is. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, that's it. That's the law and the prophets. That's all of Scripture brought together. And Jesus said, if you get that, you get what God wants us to understand. But folks, having said that, we need to acknowledge that it's easier to say that than do that, isn't it? I mean, to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbor's self, we get that in our best moments. We can maybe do it, but in the tough days, it's tough. And that's why James said this. He said, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God. That sounds good, right? A healthy, robust community and enjoys its results. But notice this, underline this, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. Here's the point. James is saying what you and I both know, folks, it takes hard work to build community. It takes hard work to not only build it, but keep it together. Now, here's the reason I say that. It is hard work. Some of you have been benefiting in that, and you've been living it for decades, enjoying the benefits of that. And here's why I say that. Because the work is worth the effort. Because what we have and what we experience when we put that hard work in is we find ourselves with men and women, brothers and sisters, friends and family members who will walk through us through the thick and thin of life. We find people who are there for us when everyone else is walking out, they're walking in. And David expressed that reality this way. He said, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity together. And I want to pull out two things there. First, he said, it's good. In other words, he, he meant that it is beneficial. It, it helps us. But that's not all. He also said it's pleasant. In other words, it's enjoyable. So when we do the hard work of building and maintaining biblical community, God says it's good and it's pleasant. It, it's beneficial to you and enjoyable. So that's what we learned about fellowship. Well, what do we learn about growing together? And here I want to share three things with you. And here's the first thing. The first thing we learned is we grow faster and stronger together. We grow faster and stronger together. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb. I believe this, but some of you might want to catch me at lunch and talk about it. Folks, we cannot grow the way God wants us to grow on our own. We need each other. Now, I know some of you are thinking this, well, Jerry, you know what? I could get all kinds of Bible knowledge on my own, and you're right. 
But here's the thing. That is only a portion, a small portion of what God has in mind for you and me when it comes to spiritual growth. God wants more than simply I have this, this acquisition of knowledge. In fact, I love Finney said the Bible wasn't given for information. It was given for transformation. And so there's more to spiritual growth than just simply you and I getting information. That's why Paul wrote this. We who believe are carefully joined together with Christ as part of a beautiful, constantly growing, underline that, constantly growing temple for God. Here's the point. For life to flow into you and for spiritual growth to happen in me and vice versa, folks, we have to be connected to one another. That's just how God designed this system of spiritual growth. We need each other. Here's the second thing we learned, and I'll get into the greater goal. And here it is, folks. The goal of your spiritual growth, the goal of my spiritual growth, is to become more like Jesus. It's to become like Jesus. It isn't just fellowship. It isn't just Bible knowledge. It isn't even, you know, anything else you want to put there. All those things are supportive of the goal, but the ultimate goal in your life and mine for what God has for us in our spiritual growth and maturity is to become like Jesus. Take a look how Paul says it, said it. He said, this work must continue until we all join together in the same faith, in the same knowledge of the Son of God. Underline this next part. We must become a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have His perfection. Now let that just sink in for a while. Let me net it out for you as you let it sink it in. What, what Paul is saying, his spiritual growth means we become like Jesus. And becoming like Jesus, Paul says, it means he had, we attain, his, we reflect His perfection. So let me ask you the obvious question when it comes to spiritual growth. Do any of us feel like we, we, we're there? Well, no, not at all. And, and so here's the reason I say that, not to be snarky, but folks, here's the reason I say that. So if we admit that we're not there, then that logically suggests that we need to keep growing, right? We need to keep maturing because the reality is, let me give you this theological, biblical fact, God tells us very very clearly in His Word, you and I will not reach the full measure of Christ. We will not reach Christ-like perfection this side of heaven. That will happen in heaven. But in the meantime, God fully desires for you and I to make as much progress as possible in that direction until the day when it is fully completed in our lives in heaven. And for that to take place, I know I sound like a broken record, but it ought to be by this time. For that to happen, we need one another. We need to grow together. Let me give you the final thing about, that we learned about spiritual growth, and that is this. Growing together is a choice. Growing together is a choice. You, if you were here, you heard me say, and it wasn't the first time, but you heard me say that we're as close to God as we choose to be. In other words, applicably, the application of that is this. If you're not where you want to be spiritually, if you're not as mature as you think you ought to be or want to be spiritually, the, the person most responsible for that is you. Because we have a choice. And that choice, listen to me, that choice to grow spiritually is not a once-and-done decision. We can't go back and say, I made the decision at youth camp back in 1979 kind of dates myself, right? You know, back in 1979 or whatever it was, and I don't have to make it again. No, Jesus said we are to take up a cross and follow him daily. In other words, that choice to grow, that choice what Jesus was talking about is daily I must make a choice to say no to self-service and yes to service to God and others. 
That is a daily choice we must make if we're going to grow. It is not a once and done. It isn't a decision that is set in stone, never to be revisited. We need to revisit daily. So that's what we learned about growing. What did we learn about serving together? And, and again, let me just give you both points, both things we learned together, then I'll, I'll kind of take them apart for you. The first thing we learned is we need to be served. The operative phrase there is to be served. We need to be served. The second thing we learned is we need to, if you will, be servants. We need to serve others. And so the first thing we learned, as you write that down, is we need to be willing and learn to accept help from others. And for some of us, especially in a culture that grew up with you know, strong individualism and, and self-made men and women, if we cannot accept help from others, we need to understand we've got an ego problem. We've got a pride problem. So we need to learn, and that's part of what God puts us in community to learn. We're, we're to be heavily sandpaper in each other's lives. For some of us, we're in community to learn that we need to be served, and others of us are need to be in community to learn to serve. Because if we cannot point to places in, in real time and in people's lives in real time that we're serving, folks, then we need to understand that we might need to look at ourselves about a little bit of a selfishness problem. Because God created us to serve and to be served, to give and to receive help. That's just the way God reminded us and shaped us. In fact, during our 40 days devotional reading, if you picked up the devotional book, then you remember and know now that we spent 40 days reading about these biblical one another's. We, we, in other words, we spent 40 days reading about how our, our, our family responsibilities, how we're responsible to one another in the family of God. If you didn't read it, let me just share it with you, and I'm sure it'll jog your memory. For example, it says we are to love one another in the Scriptures. It says we are to serve one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to greet one another. We're to help one another. Over and over again, 40 times we spent through this series talking about what we are to do for one another. Why? Because it's God's way of saying to you and me, we need each other. He created us for a community. He created us to be that independent network of men and women. Paul wrote this, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now, I don't have time to really dig deep into this, but let me just point out a couple things really important there from these 40 days. The first thing is when it talks about uh, let's start with the people closest to us in the community of faith, that's the church generally. Specifically, that's the people in your small group. He says, let's start there. But I also want you to notice he says, let's start there. He didn't say let's end there. That's all there is to it. He says we're supposed to, if you read earlier, he says we are to let us work for the benefit of all. But he says let's start with the family of God. And that let's start with the family of God is a priority of process, not importance. Does that make sense? In other words, he's saying that the process needs to start with us. And, and let me give you a book. I shared it with First Hour, and I love this book. And, and if you'll have to go to use bookstore to find it. So I'm going to look at Jim, and I know Jim will hunt it down. Jim Furness, he and I spend a lot of time in used bookstores. This thing was written back in the 1950s. It was written by a Quaker professor by the name of Elton Trueblood. And he wrote a book entitled The Incendiary Fellowship. And let me tell you about the whole book. I give it to you in a sentence. The whole point of his book, and it's worth finding, and it's worth reading. It's one of those books I reread every year, at least once a year I read this book. Here's his, here's his whole premise. 
He said, here's his description of the church. He said, the church is to be an indecendary fellowship. In other words, we gather in weakness so we could scatter in strength. We gather, we fellowship, we grow, we encourage, we do all that we do in the church. Not that that's an end in itself, but so that we can go out and be a force for Jesus, a fire-starting force for Jesus in this world. We're to be an incendiary fellowship. Folks, the reality is, the, the truth of the matter is, we need each other to be able to do that. And, he, and Paul is saying here, that's where it starts. It's to start, we're to fellowship, we're to encourage, we're to do all those things so that we go out and make a difference in the world. It doesn't end with us. That's why Paul said this, we work together as partners who belong to God. I'm going to share with you what I believe are the two most dangerous prayers any of us can ever pray. And you can write these down, you choose to pray them or not pray them. But at least you've been warned. Okay, here's the first prayer, and it's a two-word prayer. Here's the most dangerous prayer you can pray. It's simply this to God with sincerity. Use me. Use me. You say, Jerry, why do you say that's the most dangerous prayer to pray? Because in Second Chronicles, God, God, we, we read that God's eyes go to and fro across the land, looking for men and women who are, who are willing to be used by Him. And the reality is, when you pray that prayer, I pray that prayer with sincerity, God will answer that prayer because He is looking for men and women to use. Now, that's the most dangerous prayer you could pray. Let me give you the second most dangerous prayer, and it's a one-word prayer. And I mean this. That's where you start, God, use me. The second most dangerous prayer is you say, whatever. In other words, God, you say to God, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I prayed that prayer and ended up a pastor. God, I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll give whatever you want me to give. Folks, that's a dangerous prayer. But it's also an exciting prayer because when you and I pray that prayer with sincerity, you know what we have just done? We have begun the Christian life the way God intended it. Because we have just started a journey of, of, that truly is an exciting journey, a life of adventure with the Holy Spirit. It's a life where God says, you know what? This life is going to be like a roller coaster ride for you because you said whatever, so hold on. We're going to do some crazy, amazing things, and He does through your life and mine. And what we've tried to do over these last 40 days is to teach us collectively and individually to pray that prayer, those two prayers, in little ways, in big ways, and every way in between. And I want you to listen to a testimony of one of our newer attenders and members, a story about what God was doing in her life and what they've been doing in her group when they prayed those two prayers. Let's take a look at the screen. Well, hey, everyone. I'm here with Christine Brinchley, and we're going to be talking about how her small group reached out together to serve the community. And so um, the way they did that was with a project in which they collected coats and scarves and gloves and hats and things for uh, the cold weather that we're having and to reach the needs of the people in the community. So I've asked Christine to share with us this morning uh, how their small group um, came up with this idea and how what they hope to see as a result of serving together and how they can do that better together as a small group. So Christine, I'll let you talk. You know, we all had a hand in it. Um, you know, it wasn't just one person leading the whole thing. We all worked as a group together. Um, and people out there that really do care. And even myself, my faith wasn't, um, tremendously large 
uh, because I have not been going to church for many years. And now that I've started coming back to a church, uh, my faith has grown definitely over these last few weeks. Um, and I have definitely felt more of a connection uh, to God again as well. So I'm hoping that people that have um, come out and see the generosity that other people have to give to other people uh, will see the faith and that they can start to experience and maybe even ask questions how they can grow their faith again and um, maybe even join, join us sometime in church and see what kind of experiences they can have as well. Well, thank you, Christine. I hope you caught what Christine said there, that her faith has grown and she feels closer to God. And that's what happens when we serve together. That's just the way God's wired it. Let me give you the, the, the final way that, and lesson that we learn, and it's about reaching out together. So what do we learn about reaching out together? Well, again, I want to share two things with you. And here's the first thing we learned. We learned that the test of our faith is how we treat people in need. The real test of our faith isn't our Bible, you know, church attendance, our small group attendance. Those things are important. But what James is going to tell us, and we're going to read it in a second, the real test of your faith and mine is how we treat people in need. Take a look at what James said from the message paraphrase. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight. So again, the real test of our faith is do we love people enough to help meet their needs when we become aware of the need? And that's what this group is trying to do. Now, a core value of this church, and what I mean by a core value, this is, this is part of the DNA of who this church is for the last 100, almost 150 years now. But part of the DNA of this church is we care about the whole person. And what I mean by that is this church cares not only about the spiritual needs, we'll talk about that in a second, but this church cares about the financial needs, the physical needs, the emotional needs, the relational needs, but yes, definitely and especially the spiritual needs. And here's why. Because if you were part of when we talked about this in week two, folks, if all we do is care about those and we neglect the mission, we neglect caring about the spiritual needs, then all we are is a community service organization. Because the reality is there are other groups who have not only no interest in Jesus, but actually antagonistic to Jesus that will do some of those other things. But the church is God's plan for sharing the good news with the people in our community. But with that said, let me say again, we as a church value the whole person, care about the whole person, because God does. And I want you to hear a story about a group who's trying to really live into that. And, and they're committed to doing this for the entire year, not just for these 40 days, but for the rest of the school year. There's a group that is going to try to care for the whole person in the hope and the faith that it will open doors to sharing the good news with a group of teachers. Take a look at the screen. Our small group decided that we were going to pray for and partner with the teachers at Peckway Elementary School. And the way we came about this was, I'm a former elementary school principal and I know how difficult it can be just in normal circumstances. Well, COVID has really challenged teachers. So I explained this to my group and I explained how in the building that I worked in, there was a prayer group that started and it just took hold. So we decided to take a look at each of our individual gifts 
and create a little prayer group for them, prayer support. So we've divided up the list of the names of teachers and each of us is praying for five teachers and we are sending them notes of encouragement and bringing in some snacks and we are hoping and we've also started to see some evidence of this that the teachers will start to share what's been happening in their lives and the Christian teachers will start to share their testimony maybe with someone else and um, yeah we're just hoping that Jesus takes off in that building and they start to feel the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Fran. I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. And so let me say it again. God deeply and truly cares about the whole person. And because he does, we as a church family do too. And when we do that, when we care about the total person and all their needs, like in this case with these teachers, it opens doors for us to share the good news. But let me say this. When God opens the doors, folks, we have to choose to walk through them. And that leads me to the second lesson that we learn, and that is we must be committed to sharing the good news with others. We have to be committed to sharing the good news with others. Take a look at what Paul wrote. Anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And if you know that passage, then you know it goes on to say, and how can they tell them if someone doesn't go, if someone isn't sent? Now, folks, here's the reason I share that verse with you. Because the question to Paul's answer, question to the answer to Paul's question is they can't. They can't. They cannot hear unless someone tells them. And they won't tell them unless someone goes. And then they can't believe until all that happens, and then they can't be saved unless that happens. And so here's my point, folks. There are co-workers in your life. There are neighbors in your life. There are friends in your life. There are people you spend time with, and there are people you work with and associate with that folks will not hear the good news. They will not believe. They will not then experience the salvation of Jesus unless we share the good news with them. We need to understand that. And the reason I share that is this, that folks, in four weeks, the greatest cultural opportunity we have all year long is going to take place. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Christmas Eve. There's no time in the year that people are more open to hear about Jesus and more open to receiving and accepting the invitation to come to a church service than on Christmas Eve. And so I want to encourage you, be praying for the people you're going to invite. I want to encourage you, if you didn't fill out that Invest and Invite card, then please stop by the, the information rack and pick one up today. If you did and you've forgotten where you put it, pick one up. If you know where it's at, then pull it out. And group leaders, please keep that list, that shared prayer list, before you and praying together for that because this is important. Until someone in your life, till everyone in my life and everyone in your life comes to know and accept Jesus, we have work to do. And we have to keep praying. We have to keep sharing. And I want to encourage you to do that. Take a look at what David wrote. This is one of my favorite verses. He said, if you ask me, and God is speaking obviously through David, if you ask me, I will give you the nations. All the people on earth will be yours. Now stop and think about that in this context of reaching out together. Because what God's saying is you and I will be courageous enough and compassionate enough to ask him for the privilege of sharing the good news with others. God will answer that prayer. God will give us the very thing we ask for. And, and I hope you know this about me, but in case you don't, let me just say, I want to be one of those people. 
And let me tell you what I know about many, many of you. You want to be one of those individuals too. And so let's ask. Let's ask God for the privilege of sharing the good news with the people in our lives. Because the reality is, I really do not, cannot think of a greater way to use my life or for you to use your life than be used by God to help someone else come to believe in Jesus. I mean, honestly, if you, if you know something more significant you can do with your life or we can do with our lives, then please tell me. But I'll be honest with you folks, I, I've been a follower of Jesus for 40 years now, and I cannot think of anything more significant, more impactful, more important to do than help other people come to know Jesus. If, if there was, I'd be doing it. And I'll be honest with you, when I net it all out, everything else by comparison seems pretty insignificant. Not unimportant, but nothing else holds the significance of helping a man or woman, a boy or girl, come to know Jesus and to have a home in heaven, to have a purpose for their life. There's nothing else more important. So with that all said, let me, let me ask the question that I hope's on your mind, and that is, so what do we do now? I mean, the 40 days are over. And, and, and I just, I'm out of time, but let me just say this to you guys. What I hope you don't do is go, okay, fine, take the notebook, take, take the list, and just put them on a shelf. That's our tendency. We've all been to conferences. That's what we do. We get the binder. We go through the binder, stick it on a shelf, and forget about it. Folks, these are core principles about what it means to be the church what it means to function and live as the church. So I want to encourage us to hang on to what we've learned, to remember so we don't have to learn it again. And, and, and again, let me just share with you very quickly with that said, let me share you three things that we need to keep doing. We need to remember God wants us to do. Here's the first thing. Keep meeting together. Keep meeting together. Hebrew writer says this, let's not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. Now, certainly that applies to Sunday morning worship. We, we've been here. We've committed to that. But it also applies to our small groups. If you were here for a couple of weeks leading up and even the first week of this campaign, you remember I stood before you, Scott stood before you, and we challenged you to make a six-week commitment to being in a small group. And if you did that, then I want to say congratulations. Well done. You, you hit the mark. But I've been a part of small groups, again, for a long, long time, leading them, leading leaders of small groups. I've been a part of it a long time. So here's what I know. I've, I've led probably a couple hundred small groups in my life. And I know sometimes the group just doesn't work, right? Maybe the time of the group didn't work or the place the group was meeting worked, or maybe sometimes personalities in the group didn't work. So here's what I want to say to you. If, if, you, if you were in a 40-day small group and you went through that and you're sitting here saying, you know what, honestly... I think I'd like to try a different group, then do it. What I don't want you to do is get out of a group. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I go, you know, if, it, if it's personality fits, I want to encourage you to work through that as part of that heavenly sandpaper. But, but I recognize if you're saying it just isn't working for me, then I want to encourage you to, to find another group. Because let me, I'm going to explain it like this. What I don't want you to do is get out of the group. Let me explain it like this. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? You heard a lot of hype about it. You know, maybe your husband was excited. Your wife was about excited. Family member was excited. You went there and expected all this great whatever. And you go, not impressed when you're all done. Maybe you didn't even like it. Now, if you had the experience, probably all of us did. I mean, you could think of dentist. I mean, you just name. We've all had that experience. But let's use restaurants. So I want to ask you, what did you do when you had that bad experience? Let me tell you what I know you didn't do. You didn't, you didn't say to yourself, well, I'm never going to eat again. 
I'm never going to go to another restaurant in my life. No, what did you do? You just found another restaurant. And you probably just ate double at the new restaurant, right? I mean, that's what we do. So if the group didn't work for you, the solution is I'll never be a group again. Find another group. Give it another try. Again, I hope you'll stay in the group you're a part of, but if that didn't work, then by all means, get the Connect card out, sign up. Pastor Chris and I and the staff will work with you to help you get another group in the new year, get started, but stay in the group. That's the first thing. Second thing is keep doing what we've been doing. You say, what have we been doing? I'll tell you what we've been doing. We've been reading a little bit of God's Word in the daily devotional every day. We've been praying together. We've been interceding for others. We've been reaching out together. We've been serving together. We've been memorizing Scripture together. We've been attending worship together. And God wants us to keep doing all those things. That's what it looks like to build spiritual muscles. And here's the final thing we need to do, is we keep praying for a spiritual awakening. Keep praying for a spiritual awakening. Take a look at what Paul wrote. He said, pray that the master's word will simply take off and race through the country to a groundswell of response. Here's my question. I asked asked this at the kickoff, and I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe our country, our nation, our community needs spiritual renewal? Do you believe that that we need to see God move in a way? In fact, the problems that we are dealing with, the, the issues we're seeing in our schools, our economy, you name the issue, you name the area. Do you believe at the very root of those things, it's not a political solution, it's not an economic solution, it's not a relational solution. What it is, is a spiritual solution. That we need Jesus to work. We need Jesus to If so, I want to encourage you to keep praying that prayer. Because I believe with all my heart, the answer to the difficulties and division we're seeing in our culture, our community today, ultimately will not find a solution until it finds Jesus. And so we need to pray. So here's how I want to close. And thank you for your patience. I want to close by praying, not only by thank and thanking God for what he's done the last 40 days, But I want to pray that prayer. I want us to ask God to use us, however, as a church family and as individuals, so the message of Jesus takes off across Lancaster County and across our country. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for creating us and calling us and saving us and giving us purpose and a promise of home in heaven one day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and love that prompted you to do all that for us. But Father, we also want to say in this moment, personally and corporately, thank you for our church family, putting us in a church family where we can serve together to see things and experience things of eternal significance happening in our community, our country, our world, in our lives. Thank you for helping us understand that we are truly better together. And so in light of that, Father, we say to you, I hope we say to you in this moment, we say to you and we offer our lives and say, whatever. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. Whatever you want me to give, I'm willing to give because I really do want to witness a groundswell of response to Jesus' message across Lancaster County in our country, in our world. And Jesus, even more than I want to see that, I know you want that to happen. You want to see that. That's the reason you brought us here. That's the reason you brought us together for these 40 days of community so that we can learn that if as your people 
we will commit ourselves together to worshiping together and fellowshipping together and growing together and serving together and reaching out together that we will be an unstoppable force for your kingdom. Because Jesus, you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. So Jesus, we know your desire. We know what you want to do for us and in us and through us. And so I pray that you will help each and every one of us to be all in about being the church. Not just about going to church, not just doing church, but about being the church. So that you can accomplish in us and through us your purposes for this church, for this community, and for our world. And we pray it all in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Well, I want to encourage you to take out that gray connection card again online. We'll have that connect link in the window there. But perhaps you made one of those decisions that Jerry was talking about uh, just now that uh, maybe uh, you weren't in a small group and now you are feeling, hey, I'd like to check that out and see uh, what that's about. Well, you can check the card there this morning and uh, get information about small groups. We have a, an Equipping 101 class that's about to start. Uh, you can get information about that class. And uh, so any decision that you made, maybe you are exploring your faith or you want to know more about your faith, you can do that through the card here this morning and through that Connect link online. Jerry also mentioned about the opportunities of reaching out and with Christmas Eve, and we have that coming very soon, of course you know. And so um, I'm going to share a video with you and just kind of just kind of whet your appetite, and, uh, and, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to sing as we go out this morning and then have lunch together, and I'll say a prayer over that in just a moment. But let's watch the video. that we've learned together, how we fellowship together, how we've served together, all of these ways that we're better together, 
Now we can go out and we can invite our friends and our family and our relatives and our neighbors, and you keep the list going, but we can invite them to come and be a part of Christmas Eve as we offer those things of hope and peace and joy and what Jesus came to do. Uh, and so we're excited about that, and uh, there'll be more coming soon. But would you stand with me? We're going to sing together because there's uh, nothing that our God can't do. And as we celebrate and close this out this morning, let's do that. That God can't do. That's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a place wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name. that this morning. Let me say a prayer as we go to lunch, and uh, then we'll fellowship together in the gym. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much today for, uh, Lord, your love and for teaching us, Lord, through the things that we've learned over these last 40 days. God, as we go and fellowship a little bit together, as we talk about our experiences of how we've grown, maybe through reaching out or serving one another or a community, God, may we just have a great time doing that together. Lord, I pray you'd bless and nourish our bodies with this food. Thank you for those who have prepared it. And uh, Lord, we look forward to sharing this meal together now in Jesus' name. Amen.